0: Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. Was this the smooth listening version? I'm Chris.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This week, Chris and Fletcher are going to tell us how to make $1,000 playing casino games. Or maybe a hurricane caused them to go to Las Vegas instead of New Orleans this past weekend, and they want to write off the trip as podcast research. Either way, we've been inspired to look at how casino games like blackjack, craps, kino, video poker, electronic horse racing differ from hobby board games and how they overlap as well. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, <sighs> professionalism.
2: We we got it. Yeah, we're never there. Uh but first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Speaking of patrons, um, for the patrons of the RTFM YouTube channel who learned how to play Oath and heard of us from that video, welcome. Um, we're not gonna talk about Oath in this episode, but we normally don't talk about casino games either. We talk about gaming topics of all kinds. So I loaned Shay my copy of Oath, and he gave us a big shout out on that video. So thanks, Shay. Um, how are you guys doing?
0: Uh, I'm a little sleep deprived, but uh, overall <laughs> doing pretty, doing pretty well. Kitty, uh, Fletcher called the sleep deprived
2: um, thing this time, so you can't do it.
1: <laughs> um, I went to Costco today, and you know, that that's always an adventure. That's my life. All right.
2: I clean the garage. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's tabletop boring talk.
1: <laughs> Welcome to being a middle-aged parent.
2: Yes. I do have some updates. So I have in the show notes that we're going to talk about Fletcher's bachelor party. But since the entire topic is basically basically about Fletcher's bachelor party, I'm going to save that for a little later. Um, Kitty, I meant to ask you before the show, so now we're just going to do this live. Uh, Can you record Thursday night?
1: Um, Yeah, I should be able to. Okay, cool. Uh, So
2: announcing everyone, hey, normally we record live on Monday nights and you can join us on Zoom by going to tabletopdametalk.com slash live. That's every Monday night at 830, except for this week. This week, if you want to hear us, um, that's going to be Thursday at 830. And that's two days from the time you're hearing this now. Unless you're in our live show right now, then that's three days. But don't worry about that. Anyway, just wanted to set that up because I'm going to a wedding this weekend. And last weekend I went to a bachelor party. And yeah, it's been it's it's a lot of flying, and all the places I'm going to now are mandatory masks everywhere again, which is you get used to it pretty quick, but still annoying. Um, speaking of mandatory masks, all of our conventions are now mandatory masks as well. And some of them, game hole con, you have to show proof of vaccination and wear a mask uh so they're going all out there but i will still be at gen con i will still be at origins i will still be at game Holcon con so if you are there shoot us shoot me an email um tweet at me i will be there and we can hang out masked up and vaxxed up so that was all of my bullet points you guys have any announcements or news you want to deliver uh nope Excellent. Great. You guys are amazing co-hosts. I I tried
1: really hard not to sneeze. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Fletcher, why don't you kick off (laughs) the how we ended up in Vegas story?
0: Uh, Sure. So I was thinking that um, the original plan was to go to New Orleans. And you can, for anybody who hasn't ever been to New Orleans, you can actually gamble there, too. There's Riverboat Casinos um and i was thinking like oh we could do some tabletop gaming kind of thing there it's not as big a part of new orleans the gambling but it's it's definitely definitely there um and for those of you who are not aware there is unfortunately a category 4 hurricane hitting basically new orleans square like aimed right for it um My best man was, had to evacuate. He didn't have to evacuate, but they asked everybody, if you live in New Orleans, like, it's a, it's a voluntary evacuation. They're like, please leave if you have, if you can leave the city. So quickly had to scrap all the plans that, um, we made and instead, uh, got a couple of guys together and we just went to Las Vegas instead. Because you can so always you, book last minute stuff in Vegas.
2: <laughs> yeah, you skipped out on uh, the all, right, so all of the hurricane thing. He, your friends in Florida now—that's great. You know, it, the hurricane was far less severe than it could have been. So all of that's great. If you're in New Orleans, uh, our thoughts are on, honestly with you. The way this happened, though, and I would have never checked. I had no idea there was going to be a hurricane. I would have gotten on an airplane, and on the way back, I'd have been like, huh. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah i i wouldn't have known either except he called me and he was like hey this is happening
2: yeah it's it's just not one of those things i check in the last minute whenever i'm going someplace is you know is there going to be a hurricane we're from the midwest and we don't have hurricanes you
1: don't check weather though like (laughs) like oh what should i pack to wear like i was i was packing for a
2: swamp boat tour that's that was what was on my mind and it's (sighs) new orleans in august it's gonna be hot and muggy yeah, hot muggy. I knew what the weather was going to be. So, but this is I don't know. So, we I were gonna so we're going to leave. So we're going to leave Friday morning, right? Getting on an airplane at like nine a.m. on a Friday. So about nine p.m. on Thursday, this all started going down. Where Fletcher's best man's like, "I'm not even going to be in New Orleans. I'm evacuating." So we decided at I, I, like, I guess the ninth hour that, okay, we're leaving, we're, we're not going to New Orleans. And then we're trying to figure out, you know, whether or not we go to Vegas or not. And then we're trying to plan, can we get a hotel? Can we get flights? I booked the flight at 1230 in the morning for 915 in that morning and got on the flight and went to Vegas. It was actually a really nice flight. I flew out of Milwaukee and Southwest. was a direct flight. I, I missed Southwest. It was all good. Um, but yeah, then we got there. We stayed at Treasure Island and with zero plans to do anything, which was also fine. Yep. Yeah. We Isn't got that there how and we had no
1: plans. To do it's like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have yeah. been
0: nice to, like, you know, have plans ahead. Of, like, we had a bunch of plans for New Orleans um, and, you know, all that got scrapped. So we just got there and we're like, now what? What do we, what should we do? <laughs> yep.
2: So, um, so Fletcher's fiance's brother, so Carmen's brother, Sloan, uh, was also joined us. So it was the three of us and he, I brought some board games because I just wasn't sure, but I teach, I uh, teach Fletcher. I taught Fletcher how to play Homeworlds before Sloan got there and he, he showed up
0: just before we ended the game. But, um, I
2: think I would have had you, Fletcher, maybe,
0: uh, y- you I mean my very first game where you're teaching me what to do versus <laughs> I don't know how many hundreds of times you played this game. Yeah, I think you would have.
2: Well, I sent you home with a copy. We're gonna have to play it a few more times. So but Sloan wasn't really big into the board gaming thing, which was fine. Like it's a bachelor party in Vegas, you shouldn't be playing board games because there's so many other games that you can play. And <laughs> <laughs> but we had made plans to go to a comedy show and or a steakhouse, a comedy show, in that order, a or reverse order. And then we stumbled into Fremont Street, which is like a three-block-long outside dance club party with multiple stages, which was phenomenal. All of this accidental. And then we went back to our hotel and rode Mechanical Bowls. Um, that was just <laughs> leading up to Saturday, where it's like, let's be a little low-key. And that's when we started playing casino games. Now, I promised at the top of the show... How to make a thousand dollars playing casino games? It's pretty easy. Start with a thousand dollars and don't play casino games. You're just going to give your money away. <laughs> that's it. That's that's the that's the rule, right? And Fletcher, you we started out with uh, it wasn't craps roulette. Sloan had never played yes. roulette. Kitty, have you have you played what casino games have you played? Because you said you didn't have anything to say for this episode and you were just going to sit there and stare <laughs> at me blankly. But I want to know what have you played
1: um i've played penny slots and you put in 20 dollars, and they bring you free casino beverages and you divide what you lose by how many drinks you get and that's how you do vegas right (laughs) that
0: is pretty much exactly how you do vegas yes (laughs) that's definitely one way of doing it yes and that's not a bad way of doing it (laughs) that's probably the best way to do it it's
1: how i enjoyed
0: vegas (laughs) so penny
2: slots you haven't played are you familiar with roulette
1: um. Yeah, I actually programmed a roulette game for my um, college programming course was my final project.
2: I, when I was teaching... So I know s-
1: all the rules. <laughs> yeah, when I was teaching high school kids roulette. how to play
2: blackjack, or, or when I was teaching high school kids how to program, I would do that by having them code a blackjack game. So, mm-hmm. like, casino games, they're meant to be easy to learn because they want you to play it. They're also meant to be... <laughs> Easy to think that you're going to win. But all right. So why don't you explain the rules of roulette? Since you've written, and that's where we started it, you know, you've written roulette. What did you write? What what is the the ins and outs of roulette?
1: Um, So roulette is the one with the tiny ball in the wheel. And you, um, it lands on a number. And there are three different colors of numbers, red, black, and green. Um, And there are different ways of betting. And you can choose to put your money on different squares on the table basically you can bet on one specific number you can bet on red you can bet on black you can bet um on different like portions of the wheel there are different like places where you put your chips and if the ball lands on one of the numbers that corresponds to where you've put your chips you win money and if it lands somewhere else you lose money
2: in a nutshell yep so there are 38 numbers on this wheel 36 of them are numbered, one through 36. The other one is zero and double zero. You might mm-hmm. find a wheel that it ha- doesn't have the double zero, but every American you've you know, ever been. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. You'll probably be in Europe if you, if you don't see a double zero.
2: <laughs> yep. So, and the reason those zeros are there, because if you bet on black or red, you have what feels like a 50% chance of doubling your money. So if you bet on that, it's like a 50-50. But if it comes up green, both red and black lose. So two of 48 numbers could just have you lose everything. And that's how the house wins, right? So you can go there. Uh, If you bet on a number, a specific number, you will make 35 to 1 odds. So I put one chip down. If I win, if I put it on two and two hits, I will get 35 chips. Plus my original chip back. You always get your original bet back as well when you win. So you get 36 back on a 31, on a one bet. That's and then there's what feels like dozens of different ways of splitting numbers. But every, so many ways. Yeah, but every time you split a number, you're basically making your odds a little bit worse on the payout, but you have better odds of getting but you're betting on more numbers. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you can put a chip on the corner of four numbers, or you can just put so you put four chips on the corner of four numbers is going to be worse payout odds than if you just put one chip on every number. It's just the way the odds, odds work on that. Now, when we talk about casino games, I actually did um, some – inter- I interviewed for Bally's who did a lot of slot machines. But also I did a lot of research into just how these games work in general. But when you talk about a casino game, typically you are talking about what their payout – is, and that payout is a value related to the dollar. So if you have a 98, like a, you know, 98 cent payout, if you sp- kept playing for, you know, theoretically inf- infinity, you would get 98 cents back on every dollar you put in. So you're always guaranteed to lose. There's no game that has an even or higher payout for the casino. That's just, you just wouldn't do that. Uh, so, If you're in a slot machine situation, slot machines could have like anywhere from a 60 to a 92 or something like that. You're gonna always lose money. I've seen ninety-nine. 99 on a slot machine. And and oftentimes you don't know. Um, sometimes you'll go online and people will actually do the math and watch and like because they'll different slot machines will have different payouts. All of this stuff is really, really highly regulated. And so you don't have like they'll move around the slot machines just to keep people guessing because they're not allowed to change the odds of the slot machine, but they can change the position of that slot machine in the middle of the night to kind of, you know, make it so people don't know where the good machines are. Airport is the worst possible place to play slot machines. All of those have like the lowest payouts legally allowed. So don't (laughs) play the slot machines at the airport, but the best odds are typically the table games. You're talking blackjacks, um, blackjacks, is that plural? Uh, Blackjack, craps, poker, those types of games where you're playing at a table will typically have very good payouts. They're also relatively slow and they have relatively high minimum bets. So you sit down at a blackjack table, you're gonna put at least $10 on the table just to get dealt two cards and then watch it go away if you bust. Um, So yeah, so that's sort of the, the primer here. We started out with roulette And I'm just going to I'm going to throw Sloan under the bus a lot, Fletcher. So um, tell him not to listen (laughs) to this episode. So trying to teach craps is not a skill game. And I kept trying to rack my head for a lot of these games. It's like how they could be how the the mechanisms could be ported to a board game or have they ever been. And with craps, it's essentially not craps um, roulette. It's essentially saying, OK, I'm going to pick a random number. And see if I can roll it on a d20. So, yeah,
0: so it, 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 it's a tabletop equivalent of I'm thinking of a number between one and 38. <laughs>
1: Is it two?
0: <laughs> nope. Give me your 10 bucks, please. Yeah.
1: Well, as far as like board games go, it's like Candyland or something where it's like, can yeah. I get my numbers Shoot. faster than someone else? It's, Chutes you know, ladders. you're not, yeah, it's literally just, you know, Picking randomly and seeing what the results are.
2: Yeah. Yep. And and you people will decorate, especially if you're new to playing roulette, you'll decorate it like a Christmas tree. Like, wait a minute, I could just put these chips on any number? And sure, you can. But at a certain point, you're going to start losing. Now, you could technically put chips on 35 different numbers, and you'll win one of them, and you'll be breaking even, except for when one of the other three numbers shows up. And that's, again, how there's no way of winning in in roulette. It is what I find with roulette is it's the most absurd game that is addicting to play because it's just pointless. So my my thing with roulette, this is my advice. You play it once. It's the last thing you play before you walk out of the casino to go to the airport and you put a big amount like 10 bucks on your favorite number. And if you hit, great. You walk away with $350. And if you don't, great. You didn't lose a thousand dollars on playing roulette. So tip number one, Fletcher, what did you didn't? Did you bet? A, yeah, you bet a few dollars on roulette, right?
0: Yeah, I lost 20 bucks pretty quickly.
2: Yep. We did find, um, there was, we we're walking around the casino as you do, and there was a group of girls that were trying to figure out how to play roulette because they'd gotten $300 from their coworkers. And they just were lost. So I I explained the game to them and they only wanted three spins and they were actually able to do this. I think they doubled up. I think they like let you, they, hit they, on they, red and they, like let it ride. They doubled their money. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, and the way you win is by not playing anymore. And they're like, well, that was three spins. We're done. And they walked away with making money. That's the only way you you, yeah, you get lucky early on.
0: Kino and they didn't bet on a number I think I think they just bet on like red and then they bet on black and then they doubled up yep and then they hit black again and they're like okay we're done
2: <laughs> so I want to briefly cover Kino because this is this is a public service announcement this whole episode's kind of a public service announcement but I'm gonna do something cool with craps when we get to it Um
1: do we need to put the um if you have a gambling problem please call this number <laughs> service <laughs> announcement at the beginning of this episode.
2: <laughs> you google it, I'll put it on there. I don't if you have a gambling problem <laughs> though, this episode is really going to help you uh I don't know, hopefully double check your life cuz I am not promoting any of this at all. There's a few games where I'm like eh, you can do the penny slots and for free drinks. That that really is the best way to gamble in Vegas. Um except we'll get to penny slots in a second because they're not a penny,
1: <laughs> no,
2: no. <laughs> so, Keno, um, and we'll just do this one briefly. Keno is essentially a lottery every couple minutes. There, it's and you can bet, you can choose a number of numbers, usually between two and ten, and depending on how many you choose, the payouts are going to be different. Keno has the worst payout tables of any game in Vegas or anywhere. Never play Keno, ever. Just don't do it. You will always lose money on it. Always. Again, unless it's $20 and the very last thing you do, and then you walk away, then you'll only lose $20. So <laughs> Matthew just posted, National Problem Gambling Helpline, 1-800-522-4700. Staff 24-7. 100% confidential. Um, I, that's, that's a good number to know. All right. So let's talk about video poker. Fletcher, I tried to teach you video poker. What'd you
0: think? Uh, well, I mean, vid- I I know how to play poker. And I think we had the most trouble with just the on-screen controls. <laughs> 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 the, the software was written about 35 years ago. Yeah. Um And we're just like, how do we, how do I, this button doesn't seem to work. I want to keep these, but why is it not letting me do that? I mean, video poker is is just poker. And usually there's a bunch of different, like, Subset games that you can play. I remember looking at the screen and I was like, "Oh, you can do Deuces Wild, or you know, I don't know, just other variants like that."
2: Yeah, so it's it's five card draw poker. So what you basically get out five poker cards, and you choose to keep or not all of them. And I think you can in video poker. I'm pretty sure you can not hold anything. You can just get redelt a new hand.
0: And yeah, you're you not can playing a whole new hand.
2: Yep. And you're not playing against anyone. You're essentially trying to get a pair of jacks or better to get a payout. And that's it. That's the whole thing. Um, for video poker, if you're into video poker, the people who say they can win money on it, they're looking for payout tables. So you're looking for high payout tables in the, you know, flush and full house categories. Um, but more or less, you're just going to lose your money again that video poker is designed to lose money. You will probably lose your money a little slower on video poker than on roulette. But you're still going to lose your money. And the thing with a lot of these is... Spoiler you
0: alert. You're going to lose your money on all of these games.
2: All these games. You're going to lose Otherwise, your
1: money. Otherwise, casinos wouldn't still exist. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I want to talk about the electronic horse racing. Because this one, I'd seen it, but i had never played it before until this weekend. Uh Fletcher, I think you were more sober than I was when we were playing it, so I'm going to let you describe this game. <laughs> which game is this? The electronic horse races? Oh which my are, gosh, which oh are actually yeah. so physical, physically? Yes, yeah, they're model horses that are electronically running around a track.
0: So imagine, um, like your basic kind of like slot car setup um, with, uh, you know, like a six, like six lanes wide with a slot car in it. Um, Except the horses don't fly off the track like a slot car race does. And it's not exactly a slot because they can change lanes. I think it, it's, I think it's done by magnets underneath the table. Yeah, it has um, to be magnetic, but it, it's all very slick. And essentially what you're doing is the, you bet on horses and, and the horses, they give them funny names, just like real horse racing uh, at a track. Um, and each horse that you can bet on has odds. So this one, this one, this one horse will pay 2x this horse will pay 64x this horse will pay you know 8x whatever and there's six of them and you can bet on as many as you want and they also have a different you can bet on like first the uh, who's going to come like first and second or third and fourth so you can bet on a couple so like horses.
1: real horse racing bets i've done right. actual horse racing <laughs> <laughs> i have not um, ever done electronic horse racing but i've gone to arlington <laughs>
0: So they have uh, yeah, you can you can bet on specific outcomes of who's gonna come first, second, third, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they take one lap around and um then you lose your money typically. Yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> because the difference between electronic horses and real horses is the house knows which electronic horse is gonna win.
2: Well, they don't. And that's that's what makes Aww. all of these things interesting. But they do know the odds, and that's that's actually okay. one of the things that's built into the software. So it'll come up where you'll like you literally have something that's two x and like sixty four x like that. That's not an exaggeration. It'll be a huge spreads. The way the software is going to work, though, is it's going to take those odds into consideration when generating random numbers, whether or not to bring this horse in front or not. So you can imagine take the odds, and you're going to roll a d one hundred, and every time you do that, if you're below a certain or above a certain threshold or whatever it is based on your odds, you advance one. And if you're not, then you don't advance. And so they don't
1: Sure. So they don't know which horse is gonna win, but they always know how the horses are gonna how the game is made to win and lose, as opposed to actual horse racing, where, you know, you have to do the research of like yes. who's training this horse, who's riding the horse. There's like skill and breeding and a whole bunch more involved that, you know, yeah, it's still gambling, but you can feel like you're learning more and like doing a little bit more to like make educated bets. Whereas betting on the game, it's like, I like the sound of that name is as good a strategy as that's a pretty color.
2: Yeah, you I know? was just always <laughs> betting on the one that had the highest odds. Like that was just always it's like if I'm going to win, I want to win big. Uh, but yeah, if you were to bet a single dollar on every single horse, the house would still come out ahead. And like, yep. there's just no way you're going to beat
0: it, type of thing, right? Because usually the the lowest payout that you have is like a is two X. Yep. Um, and so and they're like, likely going to, and that horse has a big chance of
2: winning because yeah. you know their number is going to get drawn when they move ahead. Now, my complaint with this particular game is not the presentation. The presentation was actually quite fun.
0: <laughs> it's very um, slick how they do yep. this. Actually, I have to say it's it's very cool, and they have the horses like speed up and slow down, so it's. I guess, kind of like a real horse race. So they pull ahead and stuff like the winners is is just not always in front the entire time.
2: Yep. And I saw a few of them that actually have a video uh, representation of all the horses that are going in physical as well. So they have this 3D rendered horse of the the horses in a video screen. And then you see the physical horses on the table. So it's really fun to watch. My big problem with it is the one lap. You go one lap yeah. and then all of a sudden all the <laughs> horses reset, and you have about 10 seconds to place another bet. And then it's another lap. And I'm like, give me some fanfare here. I also found that if you swear at the horses, they move faster. So that helped a little bit. Um, <laughs> but again, it could have been I don't think that's how the game is designed. <laughs> it might have been that it was just, you know, that that first Friday night where it's like, mm hmm. Um, yeah, it was. Eh, I have to say, it, it wasn't a terrible game. And this is actually one, if you know the mechanics behind it, that I think we have seen in board games, especially a lot of racing games, more than anything else that we've talked about so far. By saying, here's a particular car, horse, camel, whatever it is, and these are <laughs> the odds for it. And those odds determine when and how far that particular unit can go and then you can bet and you're trying to like you know say okay i'm gonna this this car is not great but i i have have a feeling about it so i think it's going to pull ahead and those types of things this is exactly that it's just done at a faster level and you can't see what's going on so you really don't have time to think um and you can lose your money a whole lot faster because you don't get to buy it once and play it as many
0: times as you want and that's that's why they only do one lap (laughs) because if they did two laps you'd lose money Less quick.
2: I also think if they did two laps, the horses would spread out a lot more and you'd be able to see those changes in the odds more so. Like psychologically, you want to feel like your horse was close. And the more laps you go, the more that 64 to 1 odds horse is just going to be right in the back of the pack. Like you're never going to get like a randomness, like, oh, you were in a lead for a minute and now you're not at all type of thing. Mm. But I liked it. it's it's one of those games where I could see going and and playing that for a little while, but again, I had a real hard time with how quick it went. And, and as an aside, the more people that are at the table betting on these horses, the more fun it is because then you're all it's, like cheering and yelling together.
0: So, and, and this particular one that we were playing, um, it was actually well, it was branded by Konami. Uh, I assume they designed and made it and. The entire time, I was just trying to figure out how to enter in the Konami code so I could just, you know, cheat and have infinite money.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We we couldn't find the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Or BA select start. Sorry. I had to re-enter the code. Um, Yeah. So that was electronic horse racing. I'm purposely leaving craps to last, but I think it's time to talk about craps. Kitty, what do you know about craps? And I'm not talking about toddlers.
1: Um... Sevens, elevens, good. Snake eyes, bad. <laughs> that's it. Uh, they play it in Guys and Dolls.
0: Yep, Fletcher. What do you know about craps? Uh, so I know a lot more, but actually, before this, I had never, <laughs> I, had never I had never, I had never played craps. So uh, I thought the exact same thing that Kitty just said: sevens and elevens are good, and snake eyes are bad, and that's not really the case. So, I don't it know is, why in every movie they do it that way. It is the case on a single roll. It is, and, but
2: like... Yep. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll try to give a high-level view of craps, and then we can talk about more of the details that make craps actually fun. But the 7 good, two is bad. When you first start... It's hard to say when a game of craps starts and stops, but we're just going to say when you start a game of craps, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to roll two six-sided dice. If on that roll, you roll a seven or an 11, then you win your bet back. So if I bet five, you're going to get, you you get five back and you always keep your bet. So almost every table game, your original bet isn't taken if you win. So essentially you double your money. On a seven or 11, you double your money. On snake eyes, you lose your money. That's it. That That's that opening roll. The problem is there's a lot of other numbers that are more likely to come <laughs> up than 7-11 or 2. When that happens, that number that came up becomes the point. So let's say you roll a 5. Now you have to keep rolling the dice until you hit a 5. And if you hit a 5, you double your bet. And if you hit a 7, you lose. And no other number matters. None of the other numbers have any effect on anything. You're just rolling dice until you get that 5. And if you get a seven, you lose. You're more likely than not going to lose because a five is, you know, the odds of rolling a five is way less than rolling a seven. Now, that's the simple version of craps. And if you were to, you know, watch a movie this made in the 40s and you have orphans playing craps in a back alley, that's probably the type of craps that they're playing. (laughs) It's uninteresting and it's not fun. So there are a few ways that craps becomes more interesting, and that's allowing you to bet on the numbers that are not your point. And those numbers can pay out anytime they come up at that point. So back to my fictitious, I rolled a five. I wanna hit a five before I hit a seven. Well, now I can bet on a four, five, six, eight, nine, 10. I can put money on those numbers. And anytime that number is rolled, whatever my bet is on those numbers will be multiplied by a particular odds based on how frequent that is. So anytime a 10 comes up, I'm gonna get paid out. Anytime an eight comes up, I'm gonna get paid out. Now, And that bet stays there forever because again, typically your bets aren't removed. There's a couple exceptions and craps. We're not gonna go through all of the different betting ones, but the the reason why you're going to, this is, you know when you talk about hot a hot table, right? You have a hot roller. What they're doing is never rolling a seven. The longer you can go without ever having a seven, well, a seven out comment. There's there's one time where a seven is fine. But the longer you can go without rolling a seven, the more those bets just keep paying you. They keep paying you and get more and more money. And it's amazing if you just keep on going. And that actually happened to me on one of our one night we were there. I put $36 in the machine and I left with $169 because there was just like nobody was rolling sevens and you just keep making money on that. Now, as soon as somebody rolls a seven, all of the bets on the table go away. Like you lose all your money. So if I was to put $5 on every number and someone just rolls a seven right away, that's a lot of money I've just lost. That's typically what happens in crafts and that's why you lose all your money. Don't do that. But this game is so much fun. Fletcher. (laughs) (laughs) Fletcher.
0: Did you enjoy yes. playing craps and losing all your money? Um I did because it was I lost money at a slower pace and it was a more fun way to play. Once I understood what I uh, should be doing and I understood <laughs> like what, what I was actually doing. Um it was it was fun. It was actually quite a bit of fun. Yep. Now we
2: were playing at a dollar table, which we had electronic dice as like a pop dice that were like (laughs) jumping around. Um, But you still had someone who was the shooter and you would press a button to like pop the dice and then that's how you rolled them. But we were able to play at a dollar level. If you play craps on a real table, you're going to probably be required to put 10 or 20 or $50 on the table um, in order to keep playing. So that was that was part of why we were able to lose money more slowly. Now, you also have these bets. And I'm going to get to – so I started designing a game in my head about how we can make craps into a an actual game, but not without having to explain all these convoluted rules, right? So in craps, you also have these bets where you can bet on snake eyes, basically bet on doubles. You know, um, I one – or yeah, snake eyes, so double ones or double sixes, um, or – 10 the hard way or 8 the hard way, which are just double fives, double fours. Uh, all of those bets are terrible bets. Go ahead.
1: So... <laughs> chat keeps telling you that Catan uh, already turned craps into a board game. <sighs> sort of. Sort of. <laughs>
2: but, and we'll it talk is, about It
1: is playing the, not, the way that the dice roll the same way that craps does, where, um, you know, you don't want to put your resources building on the two or the 12 because you know they're not going to come up as much and you you know rolled the seven and it's bad
2: yes yeah and actually one of the things that you should note and i don't know if people notice it but the number tokens in Catan have little pips at the bottom and -hmm. that's the odds that those numbers will come up so the more pips you have at the bottom the more likely that number is to come up whenever it's rolled yeah so which i think is very cool and i lo- i love that that concept these odds of two dice are very neat now the reason why and and pu- you're absolutely right the way catan uses the odds of the dice and seven being bad and stuff that is essentially using um the craps, A craps kind of variance. mechanic yeah <laughs> but here's all right so here's mine any other questions on on oh, oh, actually before i go too far hard way bets don't do them just never you don't want to bet on snake eyes. You don't want to bet on 12. You just, you never want to do that. They're terrible bets. And for the most part, I said all your money stays on the table whenever you bet on particular numbers, except for those bets. Those bets are if you roll snake eyes on the next roll, you win 30 to 1. Always a bad bet. There's a 36 to 1 chance of rolling snake eyes. And you're just going to lose your money every single time you put it down there. Don't do that one. But what I will say is imagine a game like this. We, I'm going to use the numbers for a moment, but I'm, I'm going to remove them in a second. So we're going to play a game, and this is a combat system that we're developing. So I need to do damage to a monster, and I have spell cards. So I put down a spell card that says, I'm going to cast fireball. And that spell card requires, I put five concentration on it to be able to cast spell, fireball, right? I'm a mage, I'm going to put five concentration, so I'm going to cast fireball. Now what I have to roll is a 7 or 11 to make the fireball happen. If I roll a 7 or 11, the fireball happens great. And not only do I get my 5 concentration back, I get another 5 concentration because it's just so easy. Boom, I'm in the zone now. <laughs> if I roll a 2, I lose all my concentration. But if I roll anything else, that becomes the new number that I have to roll to get fireball to work. Now, that by itself is tedious because then I just keep rolling dice until I try to come up with that number again, right? We talk, That's tedious crap. But now... The fireball spell has different bets on the bottom of it that I can put concentration on. And as I'm rolling, I can have like sparks go off this way, or maybe I heal someone over here with a warming flame. But all of that requires concentration. And if at any point I roll a seven, because that's how I would lose, I lose all of my concentration. And then I'm done. I lost nothing. That to me sounds like it could be kind of fun. Now, you replace the numbers with symbols, and now you have your whole little magical elemental combat thing, and I think you could make that a pretty interesting game and a pretty fun game to play. I don't know. Thoughts? Or am I just trying to make a board game podcast out of casino games? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: no, um, I think that would be... It sounds cool. It sounds yeah. interesting, but it doesn't necessarily sound like a game I would pick up, but um, I don't like big combat dice rolling games, so that's me. But that's a me problem, not a your idea problem. (laughs)
2: Fletcher, you like big combat dice rolling games, right? I do.
0: Yes. And it seems like it could be pretty fun.
2: I kind of want to work this out. So what I was thinking is you remove the numbers, because if you have the numbers there, it's actually not that interesting. But imagine that each of the dice now have an element um, on them. So you have fire on one side, water on the other. So you're opposite elements. And then earth and air, opposite elements, and then light and dark. So you have three pairs of opposite elements. Now, when I try to cast that fireball spell, what I'm trying to do is roll a neutral roll. I want to get a fire and a water because that cancels each other out and I've succeeded, which is the same as rolling a seven. It's identical odds to rolling a seven. I remove the 11 and the two because I don't care about those. Those aren't that interesting. They don't need to be there to, to mess things up. But if I roll a different combination of elements, now I'm aiming to roll that combination of elements again. Every combination, though, still only has a 1 in 6 chance of coming up just because of the way the math works. But my spells, I can now bet on certain element combinations coming up. And I could say, okay, there's a fire. And if there's an earth or air that goes with the fire, then this is going to trigger, which is the equivalent to rolling of 4, 5, uh, 7, 8 or, something, or 9, 8, 9, 10. So basically, the odds are relatively similar But now you're playing with these little elemental symbols to make these things like trigger. I think that could be interesting. And you're using craps as an inspiration without having to know all of the craps rules. What do you think there, Kitty? Is that more interesting to you or is it still rolling dice?
1: It actually becomes, I don't know, like I don't want to learn a whole new system of these like symbols. It sounds like, um some of these games that it's like oh it's language independent how great um <laughs> but then i have to learn a new language of symbols to play it um it's just
2: <laughs> i just used the fifth element know. actually the I, fifth I, element elemental signs glazed the word,
1: my my eyes just glazed over as you were explaining it and my foot fell asleep <laughs> and uh, you know it, it's just not my thing that's fine. It doesn't have to be my thing.
2: Well, I'm hoping that everyone else's eyes glazed over as they're driving because commutes are happening and if I just cause any car <laughs> accidents with my boring explanation of a cool game system. <laughs> <sighs> Fletcher, save me. Hey, you mean. know, like <laughs> Go ahead. Fletcher, don't ask is this my more opinions
1: inter- if you don't want me to give them? <laughs> I, well,
2: I sorta of want them. I just want you to, you know, lie to me sometimes. <laughs> what do you think, Fletcher? Is this something would that be an interesting if that was the elevator pitch for a game, which would be a very long elevator pitch, would that be
0: like, ah, oh, I would be willing to try we're that? Or at the Sears Tower. Yeah, we're at yeah. the to Sears I mean, Tower. I mean, I would uh, I'd play that game. I mean, it seems like it could be interesting. I like it. Well, I'm going to write it, it out. But I you know, craps, so. <laughs> now you're a little bit addicted
2: to luck.
1: Do the other players get to bet their concentration on your roles?
2: So I actually think of this the way I imagine this, so you could do this like, um the system itself is sort of agnostic. You could apply it to anything. But I actually see this as a back and forth dueling game. So it's a card game. So you're playing a particular spell and then you're rolling dice and you're, you're putting concentration on various aspects of things that you could put out there. So I could put down another card that does something else. And as long as I was able to roll that, I, that effect would still happen. And the way I see this working out is you could have the other person also playing spells and rolling dice at the same time. So, and we're going back and forth. So, I'm going to roll my dice, see what happens. You roll your dice, see what happens. But each turn, you get a, to play a card or put concentration out or roll the, and then you roll the dice as your final action. So, it becomes this back and forth dueling game where you're trying to wear the other person out through these concentration battles. Still not selling ya?
0: Mm. Kitty's like no I don't like this mechanic at all
1: It's not the mechanic I don't know it's just I don't know Hmm.
2: Matthew just said Why don't you just roll a d20 to determine the outcome Because it's not as interesting
1: (laughs) I'm with you Matthew
2: (laughs) Well I mean Like
1: if only they had like these systems Already in place you know it just It I, I think that you have a vision in your head that would be very cool, but it's very hard to describe a vision in your head without, like, visuals and um, a greater system around it. So, like, yeah, the idea sounds interesting, um, but I'd have to, like, see it put into practice to to know if it's fun or not. So Because to me, the fun of, like, craps and casino games is, like, the crowd and the energy and, like, the ah, like when you win and the like, ah, uh, when you lose and you know, there's, there's more to it than just like, yeah, we roll dice and we get to bet on them.
2: You know something? You're right. This is a game for yeah. three to 20 players. <laughs> the first two players get to play the game and everyone else is a spectator and they must cheer the other t- people on. <laughs> I, I do agree. I do think that that would be more fun. And I bet it would be facetious. We, this needs to be a spectator sport. Now, there's a game. I mean, we've
1: already talked about how, like, there should be commentators for, uh like, Magic tournaments and, like, Keyforge and these things. You know, like, we should have, like, you know, it doesn't even feel like it would make it to ESPN 8 The Ocho. It feels Actually, like it should be on, like, ESPN 12 <laughs> or 14. <laughs> for
2: the longest time, I, I don't, they might still do it. Um, someone in chat might know, but Magic the Gathering does have a televised. Um, their pro I was going to say, I'm
1: sure yeah. that Magic does, but. Yeah. You know, uh, and there's like the World Series of Poker and like stuff like that. But you know, I I do think that we need like ESPN seventeen, yeah. the nerd or Com- something. I don't know.
2: Commentators do make it better. Now, like craps, this is the <laughs> really the downfall that this type of game is. Like craps, when you roll the the out when you, when you when you roll the number that's going to make you lose, it doesn't feel good. And if you are just rolling badly and your opponent's like rolling really well, it does. It just doesn't feel like there's anything you could do. So you'd have to mitigate that in some way to, to kind of balance it out. You couldn't base it directly on the craps rolls because they're meant to fail. They're meant to make you fail most of the time. Even if that most of the time is only 51%, it doesn't feel good to lose 51% of the time. Uh, When I was doing video games, like these types of video games, uh, we wanted a win percentage of usually around 85%. You had to feel like you could lose, but you wanted to mostly win. And a lot of co-op games are that same way. That win percentage is relatively Mm -hmm. high. You need to feel like you can lose, but you really want to win. And you'd have to find that balance in there so you could make those some kind of skill decisions. And the way I would see that is like dice manipulation. There are, there are ways that you could spend points to be able to flip a die to the opposite side or something like that. And once you start doing dice manipulation, that's luck mitigation and luck mitigation makes these types of games a lot more interesting. So it's going to take a while, Kitty. you're going to have to do a lot of play testing with me so that we can get this game, right?
1: The other thing is, you know, like it doesn't have to be the exact same consequence as craps. So, you know, like when the number that breaks things comes up, it doesn't mean like, oh, you lose everything. It could trigger a different kind of event. You know, it it, it could work a lot of different ways. You know, you can take inspiration without making it, you know, a direct port of the mechanic.
2: Ooh, I like that. So basically what you could do is have your opponent is going to play a counterspell and that counterspell triggers whenever you roll the seven, right? Whenever you crap out, Mm,
1: I like that. idea. That
2: happens. And that way your opponent has to decide what that's going to be. And they have to apply a certain amount of concentration to it because they're like, okay, this is what happens when you fail. But if I don't put anything out there and you fail, then nothing happens. And then mm-hmm. you actually have a little bit more risk-reward in there. I have a little bit of control over how bad roles affect you. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
2: All right. Hmm. Now I have to design a game. Uh, podcast over. I'm going to go design a game. Oh, we're, we're a little early yet. Um. Okay. So, <laughs> Fletcher, did you play any other games while we were there?
0: Mm, let me think.
2: There's one uh, that we're besides- avoiding.
0: Well, we did. I did do slots. Um, no, I kind of wanted to play uh, like a like a three card poker. Um, I had I've played that before in the past when I've been to Vegas and uh, I've had fun doing that. But all the tables that they had were like minimum fifteen dollar bets, and I you know didn't want to lose money that quickly <laughs> on three card poker. Yeah, so I uh, I didn't do that. Yep, I do want to talk about slot machines briefly.
2: Now, well, we well, wanna talk about slot machines. <sighs> so, Kitty, when you're playing your penny slots, mm-hmm. how much were you betting on each spin?
1: Um, it depends. Uh, but usually between like 5 and 25 cents. <laughs> like, yes. You know, you can you can put cuz the way it works is you know there's um you know everyone knows what a slot machine like the wheels looks like and you have, like, the different lines going through it. So, you know, you think of it as being, like, the three wheels, they line up in the center, jackpot, hooray! But there's actually, like, diagonals and squiggle lines, because most slot machines actually aren't three wheels, they're five wheels, and you can make all of these different lines. So to bet on each line is the fun way to do it, because you win much more often, but then you're betting a penny per way that you are... Winning, which means that you're actually putting down quite quite a bit of money.
2: Yep. And if you, you go... Know, in
1: pennies. <laughs> yeah. And it it's gets not actually... that much money still.
2: It gets more obnoxious because what ends up happening... So you have five lines that go straight across. But then you have diagonals. And then you have these like, you know, V shapes and all of this. And to bet on yeah. all the lines <laughs> could be 25 cents. And then each mm-hmm. line you can bet from one cent to five cents. So now... You're betting a $1.25 on your penny slots. I've seen some that get so absurd where this they say penny slots and each bet is $5. It's mm-hmm. And your payouts are still it's, in pennies, pennies though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 500 pennies. You just won 200 pennies. Um, yeah. Penny slots. Pay one penny at a time, line across the middle, get free drinks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you win. Yeah, slot machines. I don't understand them. I don't under, actually. I don't understand the attraction to them, especially the more convoluted we they get. Like the ones we just described are the ones you mostly see now. They're like these five by five grids of pictures, and mm-hmm. you know, usually they're licensed as well. Um, Desperate Housewives and Game of Thrones and all of that. They're they're video games. So.
1: I'm not even sure the ones that I played like exist there anymore. There were not very many of them left. They were the like the last of the real because like everything now is like video slots and it's like basically a tablet in a thing that you, you know, you hit the the touch screen and it goes, you know, you don't get to pull the lever. Not that anyone ever pulled the lever anymore because everyone get carpal tunnel but there at least you know was a lever that you theoretically could pull (laughs) instead of pushing the button but like the ones with the you know manual wheels and you actually bet a penny per line and because you know now it's it was hard to find penny slots when I was there and that was like almost a decade ago. So, I don't it, know if anything exists under nickel slots. Now. No, they still
2: exist depending on the casino you go to. Like the main strip casinos you're not going to see that, but on hmm. the um, off strip stuff and some of the stuff on Fremont Street, you'll still see, you know, pull wheel penny slots. They're not mechanical. They look mechanical. It's still all driven by yeah. computers, but it's a mechanical wheel that's turning and stopping as as opposed to video. Um, but I'm pretty sure nothing ever goes away in Vegas. These machines are expensive (laughs) to build and regulate. So once you have a slot machine, that slot machine is going to exist for eternity. Even if it ends up in the gas station down the street from the casino, it's still there somewhere. Somebody is, is able to make money off of these machines that play forever. So says the video poker machines that have not changed their software in 35 years. The, the hardware looks <laughs> nice, but the software is identical. Like I just, I don't understand how that stuff hasn't been updated, but yeah, don't play slot machines. Just, just don't do it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, anyway, this is our episode on casino games. I still threaten, have been threatened to do one on poker and this poker could dovetail into this. Poker is a little bit of an exception in Vegas because you actually are playing against other people and not the house. So Mm -hmm. in order for the house to make money, you're playing at a table with a dealer and the dealer takes a percentage of all the pots. So that's how Vegas poker works. Also, it's almost always Texas Hold'em these days, although there's a few others that are there. Um, Mostly it's just Texas Hold'em. And poker's fun. Like, again, you're playing with a table and you're playing against people. And this is where poker is one of those games that people will tell you it's not gambling, and it is still gambling. But there's a lot higher skill cap to poker. A good poker player will come out ahead over time, um, versus bad poker players that you know get lucky or you know don't know what they're doing or not reading people. So, should you play poker? No. Should you go online and become <laughs> addicted to online poker? No. Is poker fun and something you should know how to play? yes, because you can play Texas Hold'em with your friends using Skittles for money. You are still gonna have a lot of fun with it. Like, it feels good to hit that hand that you shouldn't have hit. It feels good to, you know, call someone's bluff and be like, oh man, how did you know? Like, that stuff is fun. It is fun to play friendly poker. So, I don't know.
1: The game is over when we've eaten all the Skittles.
2: Exactly. That's, yeah. My problem with playing any kind of, that kind of gambling is I get bored. And with poker, I'll you, be like, you start okay. eating your money. I just start like, all right, I'm going all in quietly. Ha- yeah, yeah. You have a two seven off suit. I know, I know. I just I have a good feeling about this one, and then you lose all your skittles. <coughs> so, anything else to say about casinos? Fletcher, casino final games. verdict. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I uh, I think casino games have their place. I don't know if they're. I think part of the fun of them is just kind of like a betting aspect you're like oh i have a good feeling about this one um but i think in terms of actually like fun games i don't think they're that fun if you know what i mean (laughs) it's more of like the camaraderie and like watching people win big that's that's the exciting part you play for the thrill if you're not betting anything if you're just kind of like playing craps with zero stakes like that game kind of gets old really quickly
2: yeah yeah, you're paying for the thrill, and part of the thrill is having something on the line. Yeah, yeah. Now that said, if you want to try out uh, any of these, my games- kid
1: discovered <laughs> my kid discovered Magic Claw games this weekend. <laughs> I mean, like he knew of their existence through Bluey, but like I think you know he doesn't understand cartoons versus reality. Like there are things that happen in cartoons that don't happen in reality, and when we came across one in real life, he was like, <gasps> <gasps> "So uh, he learned a valuable lesson because I let him try one time." much like Bandit and Chili. I was like, yeah, sure, once. That's it. Nope, you didn't win. Oh, look at that. Surprising. No one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. yeah.
1: So, yeah. Isn't, isn't that your first uh, experience with casino games is losing the Magic Claw?
2: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it's one of those things that's rigged against you. Or the carnivals mm-hmm. where, you know, I remember my very first...
1: Everything's weighted at the bottom. The milk jugs aren't really milk <laughs> jugs. <laughs>
2: Yep, I remember my first carnival game where I'm like, I can do this, is there was a circle on the table, and the circle might have been, I don't know, maybe 12 inches in diameter. And then you had metal circular discs, and each one of them might have been six inches in diameter. And what you had to, and you had like three or four of them, and what you had to do was drop the discs from a few inches up and cover up all of the circle on the table. And if you could, you'd win a stuffed animal. The thing with having the size of these discs be what they are is they absolutely will cover the circle if they're arranged perfectly. Otherwise, it always looks like, oh, man, I was so close. There was just one sliver over here. And if I would have covered, I would have had it. The Problem is, yeah, if I would have covered that, I would have put a sliver over here. Those types of games that get into your head and say, oh, I just want to do it again. I can do this. I can do this. And the claw games are the same thing, right? The jug toss mm-hmm. are the same thing. Oh, I just was so close. one more close. time. Yep. And we get that thrill. We get that rush. And it's like, I, I know I can do this. Just give it enough chance. I know I can do this. And they are skill games. But the skill the, like the skill floor for winning them is so high. Because you'll see the people running the games. Like, oh, yeah. Here you go. Click, click, click. Boom. Done. Here, look. Just toss the spring on the jug. No problem. You know. Oh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, carnies. We're not going to do an episode on <laughs> carnies. games. <laughs> Probably
1: this was enough of a a foray into carnival games.
2: Yes, all right. Well, I am excited about our next week's episode. Again, a reminder: we're not recording on Labor Day. We're going to record this Thursday. The I don't know something, whatever that is. Um, and it's our role playing episode Thursday the second. The second. Yep. Um, and it's our role playing episode, and we are going to talk about player commitment. And what I'm saying right there is we are talking about how much should the group expect themselves as players to commit to the game and the story. Example, should I have to read the entire vampire book in order to understand how the world (laughs) exists? Or is it okay just to build a character and come and expect to learn at the table? We know the DM has to do all kinds of extra work. How much work should the players do? So that's what we're going to talk about next week. Um, Hopefully, Spencer can join us because I would love to get his perspective on this as well. And we will, uh, yeah, we'll talk then. But in the meantime, why don't we go to our outro? I think there's nothing else to announce. Uh, We're not doing any drawings. We did drawings last week. And yeah, let's, let's get out of here.
1: Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too.
0: Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terence Milner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keefe, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Nicholas Lotz, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Vaz Flintham, Eric Salander, Glenn, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Selly, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Dan Seed, Ryan Ellett, Danita Hersey, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Garner, and Darren McClellan. And
2: thank you to anyone who's ever been a patron. Your support means the world to us. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So flying back from this trip, I was hungover all day today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 not like sick hungover. just exhausted hungover. But Fletcher, you took the red eye.
0: Have you slept since you got home? Yes. Um, I got home. Carmen picked me up at the airport because uh, she was actually up and awake and um, at 6 am. Yes. Uh, she picked me up at 6 am. And then I got back home. We chatted for like 15 minutes, and then I went to sleep. And I think I got up at like 11:30 <laughs> a.m. and I've been up since then.
2: That's not bad. <laughs> you can recover from that fairly easily.
0: Yeah, but at around eight o'clock tonight, I was like, I was sitting on the couch watching TV, and I was like falling asleep. And I was like, I can't fall asleep. I got to record a pro- podcast. minutes. <laughs> We are dedicated
2: to I was also
1: falling asleep around eight o'clock tonight, but it was because I was putting my kid to bed and that is always like a test of like who's gonna fall asleep first, me or my child.
2: (laughs) Monday nights, no falling asleep. All right. I'll talk to you Thursday.